0: Thank you, choir, for that beautiful reminder of the hope that we all have as believers that the King is coming, that He is coming to set things right, and He is coming to bring about the completion of our salvation. And it's interesting that you sang that song today because we're actually going to see today in our study a, a picture of that final return of Christ. And so if you want to go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 7, We're going to look at Revelation chapter 7 verses 9 through 12 as we consider the end of missions. Uh, We've so far been working through uh, three weeks for the past three weeks. We've been working through a study on missions and the calling that the church and each individual Christian has to carry out the mission that God has set for his church in reaching the world for Jesus Christ and we've seen the the uh, plan for missions as God purposed way back in Genesis chapter 12 that through Adam and through the seed of Adam namely Jesus Christ that he would bless the whole world and then we saw the pattern of uh, uh, or the pattern of missions and that God was going to purpose through the work of the church to bring about uh, the proclamation of the gospel to the city and to the uh, province or the state and ultimately to the ends of the earth. And so now we're ending our study in the uh, the, uh, the calling that God has for the church in missions with looking at the end of missions. And the questions are, you know, where are we going with our mission To reach the world for Jesus. How do we know that we're done? How do we know that the mission has ended or or been completed? And so to answer that, we're going to consider Revelation chapter 7 verses 9 through 12. Let me say before we get into the text that I've asked uh, each week that you would consider over the next uh, month or so giving to our Lottie Moon Uh, Christmas offering. And and I've asked each week that you would just pray about and consider how you can give to support missions around this world by giving uh, to our church and designating your your gift for Lottie Moon. And I'm very pleased to announce already, and I haven't gotten the the final numbers, we won't have the final numbers till the end of December, but already you have given over $6,000 to support Lottie Moon Christmas, the Christ, Lottie Moon Christmas offering uh, through our church. And so I hope that if you're already, uh, you've been thinking about how to give and praying about how to give, that that will be an encouragement to you and that others have already given and, and are supporting this ministry and and uh, that you um, will be a part of that as you give in, and prayerfully consider how you can give to support international missions through this offering this, this month. And we'll continue to collect that through the month of December. So if you're still working through or waiting on your bonus check or whatever it might be that you're, you're praying about, uh, then, then um, it, you have plenty of time till we uh, send that off to the Southern Baptist Convention. So let's read Revelation chapter 7 verses 9 through 12 as we consider the end of missions today. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, God's word says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. (coughs) Heavenly Father, as we come to your word today, we believe that your word is truth. Your word reveals how things really are, though the world around us may be crumbling, though uh, uh, times seem to be at an end, though we struggle to see any good in this world, yet we know that you have a perfect and good purpose for us and that your end will be a good and perfect end. So, Lord, I pray that as we study and we consider what your word would say to us today, that You would work among us, that You would work through Your Spirit to draw us to Yourself, to draw us closer to You, and to send us out from this place ready to serve You. I pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. So from this passage today, I want you to see two points. I want you to see that missions ends with the reconciliation of the world and the rejoicing of God's people. So first, missions ends with the reconciliation of the world. Now, if you're a student of the book of Revelation and you've studied it for any length of time, and if you're even going to get uh, even a, a, a fingernail grip on the book of Revelation, you're going to have to study it for the rest of your life. But if you've studied it at any length, you know that it is a book that is full of patterns. In fact, the, the book is all just one big pattern on top of another, on top of another. And one pattern that you'll notice if you study the book of Revelation is that there's a tendency with the author, John, to pause in the midst of all of the judgment and the destruction that God is bringing on the world. And he will pause in the midst of that judgment and destruction to give a heavenly perspective. And this passage that we've just read is just such a moment. After God has poured out wrath through what are six seals that are in a scroll, and as God unrolls the, or Jesus unrolls the scroll and breaks each of the seals, judgment is pronounced on the world in these different forms of destruction and judgment. After all of that, John Turns the camera on the throne room of heaven. And what do we see? We don't see the wars of the first two seals. We don't see the economic decay of the third seal, or the disease of the fourth seal, or the persecution of the fifth, or the natural disasters of the sixth. No. Instead, we see a world that has been reconciled to God. There are two types of reconciliation that I want you to notice that John mentions here in this beautiful picture of heaven. First, John sees a reconciliation among men. Notice in verse 9 that there is this great number that no one can count. And notice what the number of people this multitude is made up of. It is made up of people from every tribe, from every nation, from every language. Understand that missions means the reconciliation of man with his fellow man. The end of missions is that man will be reconciled with his fellow man. As the gospel spreads through this world, people are reconciled to each other. There are amazing stories throughout this world of how God, through the gospel, reconciles enemies to each other. Tribes who once hated each other now join together in song. Where one race used to enslave another, now they worship together before the throne of God. And what is it that makes this reconciliation possible? Notice that they are all united around the worship of the Lamb of God. You see, brothers and sisters, the result of faith in Jesus Christ should be Ought to, be, ought to be or is brotherly love. Jesus even says they will know you are Christians by your love for one another. The way that we know that the gospel has taken root in the heart of believers is that we love our fellow man. The book of Philemon paints a picture of what this reconciliation looks like. In that very short book, and I would encourage you in your Lord's Day reading to go and, and read that book. In that very short book, Paul writes to a wealthy believer named Philemon because his his slave, Onesimus, has run away and has found Paul. And in the process of running away and hiding with Paul, Paul has witnessed to Onesimus and Onesimus has become a believer. And now Paul is sending Onesimus back to Philemon With one hope, that Philemon will receive him as a brother in Christ and will set him free. You see, brothers and sisters, the gospel of Jesus Christ takes precedence over every other worldly concern, it takes precedence over our allegiances to our family, to our clan, and even to our nation. It takes precedence over our pride and over our hurt feelings and over our preferences. And because it takes precedence over all of those things, it means that we should love our fellow brother and sister in Christ above all of those things. Has your brother or sister in Christ hurt you by some wrong dealing that you had with him or with her? That Love that you have with your brother and sister in Christ should take precedence over that hurt. Has your brother or sister in Christ offended you maybe by some off comment that they made at some fellowship here at the church? Then your love for your brother and sister should take precedence over those hurt feelings. Second, John says, John sees a reconciliation between God and man. In verses 9 and 10, John gives us two indications of this reconciliation between God and man. First, he says that those who are part of this great multitude are wearing white robes. Notice in verse 9, he says he's wear- that everyone in this crowd is wearing a white robe. Now this attire of a white robe has a great deal of significance. In Matthew chapter 22, Jesus tells a parable of a wedding feast in which a master sends out his servants into the highways and the byways to invite people from all over to come to this wedding feast and that he's going to have. And he sends with his servant a robe to give to anyone that accepts the invitation. And that robe is meant to say that the person that comes to this wedding feast has been invited by the master. The robe in the parable meant that those who came had been invited and those who didn't have a robe were thrown out of the wedding feast. So those who are before, before the throne of God in Revelation chapter 7 have been invited by the Master of Heaven. Also, the robes are white, which symbolizes purity. Notice down in verse 14 that we didn't read, but down in verse 14 of chapter 7, an angel explains to John that the members of this multitude are wearing robes that have been washed white by the blood of the Lamb. So those who are before the throne of God have been made right or declared right by God and have been purified not by their own works, not because they are worthy to be there, but because of the blood of the Lamb that has washed their robes white. The other indication of the reconciliation between God and man is in verse 10. This multitude sings out, salvation belongs to our God and to the Lamb. Now, I just want you to imagine the beauty of this picture. Just think about how wonderful this scene must be when we finally get to see this beautiful picture of worship in heaven. Picture this now, people from all over the world. Every skin color, every language, every type of clothing and music and dance and food, they are all joined together because of one reason Jesus Christ has redeemed them. There, there will be Arabs, uh, there will be Arabs there who God has reached through the gospel of Jesus Christ in spite of the darkness and cruelty of Islam. There will be Indians there who God has reached with the gospel in spite of the fog of Hinduism. And there will be, good news for us, there will be British and French and Americans there who God has reached with the gospel in spite of the vanities of secularism. And God will do all of that through the mission of His church in this world. Finally, I want you to notice that missions ends in the rejoicing of God's people. The scene that we witness in this passage is a huge worship service in which this great multitude joins together with the angels and the elders and the four living beings before the throne of God in this responsive singing and it's really a lot like what we just did in our hymn that we were singing just before i got up here where the congregate or the women would sing the the high part and the men would sing the low part in response and and you have this echoing that goes on between those who are singing in this great multitude the multitude sings out and praises the lamb and the angels and all the heavenly host answer back with praise Uh, and, and amens to what has been said. This is the ultimate reason for why we should care about missions. Missions expands the worship of God in this world and points forward to that day when God will redeem the whole world and the whole world will worship the Lord in the new heavens and the new earth. So brothers and sisters... I believe with all of my heart that the church is to be a picture of this reconciliation and this rejoicing. And the church also should work to bring about reconciliation and rejoicing in the world. If if we are doing what we are supposed to be doing as a church, we should be a place of reconciliation. That means that we should reconcile with each other when we have sinned against one another. We should seek forgiveness and restoration. It means that we should, if we're offended, that we should be ready to forgive. And it means that if we are the offender, then we should be ready to be forgiven and admit our wrong and seek reconciliation. This is not a place for pride, pride, or for sinful re- rebellion, this is a place for reconciliation. It also means that we should seek reconciliation with our fellow man. I believe that one of the darkest stains on our country is the racial division that has existed since its founding. That stain lingers even now. We see it in protests and in uh, hung juries and in guilty verdicts and in all the things that we deal with on a regular basis in our culture, even to this day, it hangs over our culture like a a, a heavy blanket. And there is no place where this is felt more than in the church. If the church is is to be, if the picture of heaven that we've just read is a picture of every race joined together in praise, why is it that it is so hard to do that here on earth? Even sadder still is the fact that we often allow our racial prejudice to get in the way of our mission. We can so often be hesitant or even resistant to share the gospel with someone of a a different race. We might avoid inviting them to church because we just don't know how the church is going to respond or how that person might feel about coming to our church. Brothers and sisters, these things should not be. Our church should be a place of rejoicing. We should... Pursue the worship of our God with every fiber of our being. And we should want the whole world to do the same. We should so long for that day when the world will join together in worship that we, would, we work diligently to see God's mission prosper throughout this world. It's my hope that our church will constantly work in missions so that we might see the world that worships the one true God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank You for the truth of Your Word, and I thank You for the the picture that we see of heaven, where we are united together as uh, people of different races and backgrounds and languages to worship the one true God because of the unity that is brought about by Your Son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray for that reconciliation to start here, I pray for it to start with Antioch West Baptist Church as we uh, carry out the calling that we have to reconcile, to be reconciled to one another as brothers and sisters in Christ, but also to be reconciled to our fellow man and to pursue reconciliation in this world. And Lord, I pray that we would be a church of rejoicing, that we would be a church that worships faithfully, but that also seeks to bring this world to be bring about the, the worship that is intended for this world, that w- would be a place where you are magnified, that we would see the, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, I pray that you would bless us now as we respond to you. In Christ's name I pray, amen.